1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. A new report says the average asking price for a rental unit in Canada reached $2,178 last month, a 9.9% year-over-year increase. It continues to be a trend that has seen asking rents hit new highs for six months in a row. The data released by Rentals.ca and Urban Nation show that while October's annual rate of rent growth in Canada was down from the 11.1% jump in September, it still marked the second fastest annual increase of the past seven months. Vancouver still leads the way as Canada's most expensive city for renters, with the average one-bedroom unit listed at $2,872. The report says rent inflation in Canada is being driven by by price increases in Alberta, Quebec, and Nova Scotia. Emily Jovesky, The Canadian Press. With a closer look at the National Rent Report, Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina, and our guest today is Giacomo Lattis from Rentals.ca. Giacomo, welcome back to On the Market. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be back. Giacomo, looking at your report, and for the first time, two-bedroom rents have surpassed $2,300 when you're looking across Canada, 2311 to be exact. Tell us a little bit about your findings. Yes, I know. Those numbers seem quite astronomical right now, but you know, just overall nationally, for the sixth month in a row, asking rents in Canada have hit a new high. So the average rent in Canada right now is $2,178 per month. And as you mentioned, two-bedroom apartments have now surpassed a $2,300 a month threshold. Um, as high as that is, unbelievably, one-bedrooms are even increasing at a faster annual rate than two-bedrooms. Um, but yes, the numbers are, are, are quite high once again. So Toronto finished third on the list of 35 cities for average monthly rent in October. What can you tell us about the other greater Toronto area cities? Yes, yeah, so Toronto finished third, as mentioned there, and falling close behind are, you know, the usual suspects in the GTA. We have Oakville finishing fourth, Mississauga following next, then Richmond Hill and Markham, Etobicoke. They all go from fourth to eighth, and they're ranging between the lowest being Etobicoke, which a one-bedroom apartment costing $2,292, and the highest of that would be Oakville, which is in fourth place, where the average one-bedroom is $2,524, and a two-bedroom apartment in Oakville is now over $3,300 a month. And I was going to add, when you look at the number that's 2311 for a two-bedroom, a lot of people in the GTA are listening to us and saying, well, that's a great deal. But closer to home in Toronto, that price is, you know, $3,424 or even closer to us in York Region, Richmond Hill at 2685 How are people affording these? Well, that's an excellent question, and I get asked that a lot. And unfortunately, the answer seems to be that they're not. And what people are doing is they're forced to leave Ontario and search for more affordable rent. Um, just last year alone, we had 50,000 people between the ages of 25 and 35 leave Ontario to go to the Maritimes or go to Calgary. 
And as our last National Weather Report stated, um, Alberta, Nova Scotia, and Quebec is where we saw the largest increase of rent because demand increases. And when demand increases, so does the, the price of that demand good. And unfortunately, we're now seeing different areas across the country increase at a faster rate than even Toronto right now. Do you think rents have hit top of scale? I mean, that's hard to say. Usually this time of year, things subside a little bit and get a little bit cooler because we're getting away from the busy summer rental season. There's usually less listings, and then there's usually less interest for people to move this time of year. And what that usually does is it sometimes moderates the price a little bit. However, with such a supply and demand issue, we do think that these prices are going to continue until we see a large influx of new units come to market. And Giacomo, you mentioned Calgary as to one of the places that people are flocking to to get cheaper accommodation. And the Calgary numbers were up a lot. Was that surprising to you? Because it's always been a hotbed for cheaper properties and, and, and more affordable living. It is a little surprising, but once I got deeper into the, the data, it, it kind of made more sense. Like As noted, for the ninth straight month, Calgary was the leader in annual rent growth for apartments in Canada's largest cities. Asking rents in Calgary rose just shy of 15% year over year. Right now, the average asking rent is over $2,000 in Calgary. Now, demand is driving these increases, but Calgary is doing a pretty good job in responding and developing as fast as they can. However, as we know, everything has gone up. So construction costs are higher, borrowing costs are higher, and so are labor costs. So what that means is these new apartment buildings they're building cost more to make, and therefore rent has to cost more. So that's how we see these rent increases in areas like Calgary. And what about the headlines from across the country? What can you tell us? Yeah, so continuing that trend there, we saw Quebec and uh, Halifax have more concentrated rent growth. Uh, There's a combination of a strong population of people going to Alberta, Nova Scotia, and Quebec even. So as mentioned, the average asking rent for a purpose-filled rental in Alberta reached $1,686 in October. That counts bachelors, basement apartment, townhouse. In Nova Scotia, the average asking rent for apartments increased just shy of 14%. So even in Nova Scotia right now, the average rent is just shy of $2,100 a month. Quebec was just behind that with the average asking rent of $1,977. So basically, the rent increase that we're seeing nationally is really driven now by Alberta, Quebec, and Nova Scotia. And and when we're looking at Toronto, I know rents are really high and people renting in Toronto will agree with that statement. However, rents came down this month, almost a percent. Can you shed a little bit of light on that? Yes, of course. We do feel like this is something that normally happens this time of year. And keep in mind as well, in an area like Toronto, where there's not a whole lot of new purpose-built rentals coming to market, that means that there's not these new premium listings coming out with these higher price tags. Maybe the new units that are coming to available are shared accommodations, which are what we found at rentals.ca. We actually saw a 40% increase in shared accommodations listing on Toronto, which means that there's more people looking for either splitting a two-bedroom apartment or looking to rent a basement or looking to rent a spare room in someone's home. And when that happens, you get a larger variety of units, and the prices seem to be a little bit lower than what they were this time last year. Giacomo, you mentioned um, a variety of cities and provinces. What's happening in BC at this time in terms of the rental market? Well, what's happening in BC is a little bit interesting. So 
Compared to what we normally would experience this time of year, where there'd be a decrease in listings on rentals.ca, there actually was an influx of a variety of units that came into the BC and Vancouver market. Um, as, as we saw in the news recently, a new policy initiative came into BC where they're now limiting people from owning Virgos or Airbnbs, and the hope is that they would bring in at least 8,000 new long-term units to come into the market to kind of help the housing crisis we're seeing. So because of that, we saw a large influx of variety of units coming to the BC market on Rentals.ca. And these units are usually priced to move a little bit quicker because these are people that were using, let's say, a condo they had for an Airbnb, and now they want to move it quickly because they can't use it anymore. So because of that, we saw a little bit of a decrease uh, in the month-over-month change for an area like Vancouver. However, the yearly increases are still between 5 and 7%. Last month, we heard from the federal government that for purpose-built rentals, they were going to offer developers a bit of a break on the HST, and the provincial governments this month announced that they would do the same. Do you think that these incentives to build purpose-built rentals would result in cheaper accommodations in Toronto if the builders do pass that savings on? Yes. For the developers that I've talked to, you know, they were saying that the, the GST removal is actually a change that will make a large difference because when you hear about just how much their costs have gone up, like I mentioned with construction costs and labor costs, any break that you can give them will help. And the only way that we get out of this situation is by a large influx of, of building a purpose-built apartments. The CMHC just estimated by 2030, we need 3.5 million homes built, which is three times the rate of Canada's average. Now, that's how much of a crisis we're in right now. So yes, by removing GST, it will help developers get shovels in the ground and start building. However, it is a long process to build, and we need more continued momentum to increase the amount of building that we see happen. Chuck Mall, was great to hear from you. If our listeners want to read the full report, where can they find it? Yes, rentals.ca. Just type that in. Right at the top, you will see Rent Report. and click right on that and see a national, provincial, and municipal overviews for you to look at. Thanks so much, and we look forward to next month's report. Thank you both. After the break, we shift our focus to mortgages. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties with today's next guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us next is Patrick Roman, a veteran mortgage professional. Patrick, welcome to On the Market. Thanks so much, guys. Happy to be here. Patrick, so much going on with mortgages and talks of people that are scared to death of renewals and people that aren't qualifying or having to qualify for 2% above what the rates are. And, and that's almost 9% right now. What are you hearing out there and what's the temperature? Well, you know what? It's, um, it's tough, right? And there's a lot of empathy towards uh, to people that are going through those high rates. But w- what I would say is uh, buckle down and wait it out. This too shall pass. There is a... Uh, a great saying by Tom Hanks, and when we're in, in good or in bad times, this too shall pass. That's true. And, and what we're hearing is rates are going to be coming down 2024, 2025. Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Hmm. 
In my opinion, there is. And here's a couple of reasons why. So we all talk, it's become very common knowledge that rates are driven by inflation. We can assume that everybody has talked about it in, in either in passing or in more in depth. But here's something to keep in mind. So inflation is based on weighted averages of different products and services that the industry or the economy has. Here's an interesting thing, though. Part of a significant portion of the weighted average for inflation is the cost of rent and mortgages. Hmm. And so, but the cost of rent and mortgages is also driven by interest rates. So what happens when rates go up? Inflation goes up. If rates go down, inflation goes down. So we're in a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that's going on right now to cool down the market. But as if we, we've been around for a long time, I'll bring you back yeah. to 2008. How, uh, if you had the opportunity to do over 2000 again, uh, 2008 again, what would you do? Oh man, I, you know what? It, that was pretty similar to where we're at right now, isn't it? It's uh, things were very cool out there, and people were struggling with payments, and we had to wait it out. It was yeah, it was really tough and scary, and we really didn't know what to do. But here's a big advantage we have today over 2008. And that's equity. So if you remember 2008, equity vanished in the span of a couple of weeks. I remember you know, we were doing mortgage applications and the property values of somebody's home would drop literally in, in from mid-September till I would say December sometime, it would drop week over week. And their equity disappeared, which when equity disappears, it means we no longer have access to money. But look at our values. Sure, property values have come down a bit, but have they come down that much? Because they went up so fast. So what's the baseline that we're working with? Hmm. I, I'd like to get your reaction from you know a report earlier this week from the CMHC that says it's warning of looming shock for borrowers renewing their mortgages. Do you s disagree with that statement then? Uh, you know what? I think the statement is fair, but I think we need to distinguish equity and interest rates and property values. Here's what I mean by that. So let's break it up into three portions. So first, if you buy a house today, that's a static dollar amount. So you purchased your house for $100, whether it's 10 years from now or 20 years from now, you still bought it for $100. Sure. It's static. Interest rates fluctuate. And so your interest rate might be today or coming up for renewal might be a little bit high. And it can be very stressful from a cash flow perspective. But what I would suggest to borrowers is to use some of that equity that they've accumulated particularly as they benefited from all those years of property values increasing to ease off that stress. Why? Because interest rates fluctuate. And just like they've come up, they're going to come down. And by that, do you mean they have an opportunity to borrow against the equity that they have in order to make that an easier way for them to get through this period? Absolutely. Absolutely they do because they've accumulated equity over time. And so if their income is fixed and that hasn't changed, but the cost of borrowing has gone up, one of the options they have is to preserve is to tap into them that equity, which is basically savings. It's the same thing as having money in the bank and offsetting the increased cost on a temporary basis. Because I think most people would agree rates are going to come back down. Would they come down to 2%? Probably not. But are they going to come down significantly over the next 12, 24 months? In my opinion, yes. So your advice then to someone listening right now who is about to renew a mortgage, what would you say to them? I would say shop around for the best possible rate, 
would be number number one. Number two is be honest with yourself as far as affordability mm. and come up with solutions on how you're going to make those payments if, if your rate is higher. And don't be opposed to using some of that savings you have in equity to maintain those payments if need be. And would that be shorter term mortgages in order to wait it out until the rates do fall? We heard uh, a report from Benjamin Tall, Deputy Chief Economist of the CIBC, who said that by 2025, end of 2024, early 2025, the prime rate should go down to about 3%. And that's going to be a significant savings, about 2% off where we are right now. So that'll be a significant savings for people if they can just hold on for that one year period, year and a half period. Absolutely. It's going to be a significant amount of reduction. What I would advise someone today, again, depending on their specific situations, but speaking in broad strokes, I would probably lean towards a variable rate mortgage and not lock myself up. And and the reason for it is this, a variable can either have a three or five year term, so you are protected not to become an orphaned mortgage like we saw in 2008. And an orphaned mortgage means the maturity date happens uh, during a crisis, financial crisis and so on. Um, So you have the protection of a, a longer term, three to five years, but you also have the flexibility where you can pay off that mortgage with a relatively small penalty versus an interest rate differential penalty. What do you think is going to be the next step from the Bank of Canada then? That is a <laughs> great question. Let me just take out my imaginary uh, black ball, ball, magic yeah. ball, crystal ball <laughs> here. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Remember, we're, we're talking about the, the same entity who says inflation is high. We need to keep the economy this way, but they drive the cost of inflation. Mm. That's right. So, you know, it's like looking at the boogeyman in the mirror. So, <laughs> well, what do you want them to do? Well, I would love for them to, you know what, I would think a cautious lowering of rates, cautiously, and I think it makes sense to implement more policy so that we stabilize the economy, but don't overbear existing homeowners. And so that a more cautious approach. The other thing that I would say is to me, the, um, the benchmark qualifying rate is unnecessary at this point. That was established to protect uh, lenders and consumers when rates were extremely low. So basically, anybody who wants to qualify for a mortgage needs to qualify on a higher uh, estimated rate. Yeah, and with rates, you know, with the promise that rates are going to go down, uh, you may not need to qualify as high as 2% above the the rate, even if they scale that back to 1%, maybe in a situation where mortgage rates are supposed to be coming down. I I get during the COVID period and when rates were 2% or 1.5%, they needed that protection because they also knew that rates would have to go back up. But at this point, I would have to agree. Do you think that there would be some pressure on uh, the financial institutions or the governing bodies to reduce the qualifying rate? Well, I think there's going to be more and more. It's more the... um the, the, the Bank of Canada needs to make those decisions in CMHC, not so much the FIs, the financial institutions, but I, I think we're going to see that more and more just because it's becoming problematic at this point, not only for homeowners, but for people that want to become homeowners and for renters because the cost of interest is being passed on to tenants. Patrick, always great to hear from you. Thanks for coming on to our show and we look forward to having you on again. Thank you so much, guys. When we come back, your real estate questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. 
Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Your questions for Asif Khan are next, and we begin with Lori in Richmond Hill. She's worried about being able to hold on to her home. She's trying not to be forced to sell in this market and hopefully sell in the spring. Should she try to rent her basement? Asif, what advice do you have for her to try to hang on? Laurie, that's a great question, and a lot of people are feeling the same sentiments right now. And and the important thing to remember is if it's a renewal type of situation where you don't believe that you'd be able to afford the higher rates, I would speak to your mortgage professional and maybe go with a shorter term. So one year or six months or even two years. And that way, once the rates start to come down, uh, affordability will start to come back. Uh, we've heard some uh, you know, great news about rates coming down in 2024 and into 2025. So it's more of a, a short term solution that you need right now, rather than selling and not being able to get back into it. Of course, renting out the basement or some people are renting out rooms in their house right now for uh, students and and short-term accommodations, but those are always possibilities. But make sure that you're speaking to your mortgage professional and exhausting all the different uh, uh, available options to you before we make that call. It's always good to make sure that you're covering all the bases because there may be opportunities that you're not even aware of. Exactly. And there's there's so many different ways that, and the banks are cooperating a lot. They're, I haven't heard of many situations where the banks are not cooperating, but the best solution may be just go with something short term. And that way, you know that in six months or in a year, you're going to be able to get back to a more normal type of uh bank amortization schedule. Yeah, you shouldn't feel like you're alone, right? Uh, If you talk to a professional, at least they can talk you through what your options are. So you're not feeling like you have to solve this completely alone. Exactly. And, And a lot of people are in this boat because the ones that renewed four years ago or had their mortgages four years ago or five years ago, they're all coming up for renewal now. So there's a lot of people in this situation. And maybe you can speak to the bank about changing your amortization schedule. Uh, you may be able to get a line of credit and, and be able to help you carry that in the short term. But there's so many options that are available that you should be looking at. Next question. John from Vaughn has seen the headlines that commercial real estate will never recover. Asif, what are your thoughts on the commercial real estate market? My thoughts are the contrary because commercial real estate is really hot right now. And if you want a good property in commercial real estate, if you want a good space that you want to open up a business in, it's really hard to come by. And rents are going up. Maybe five or six years ago, the average commercial rent in a retail setting would have been around around $30, $32 a square foot. And now landlords are asking over $40, $45 a square foot. Uh, there's not a lot of class A space available. So if you're okay with industrial areas and things like that, then there might be more vacancy in those. But uh, for retail, commercial space, there's not a lot of good space available. So where do these headlines come from then where it says, you know, commercial real estate is really struggling? Where do you think that comes from? It it depends on what they're looking at, because Mm -hmm. if they're office towers and companies have moved out, then there might be good office space available. But if you're looking at 
you know, warehouse space or retail space, even warehouse space, you would think that there would be a lot more available. But it's a lot of companies through COVID have figured out that they didn't need as much place in a, a shopping mall or something like that. And they've gone to storing in a warehouse and selling online. So there's not a lot of great space to come by. And the space that is available is at a premium. As a reminder, if you have questions for On The Market, send your email to info at 1059theregion.com or contact Asif directly. Asif? They can reach me at on Twitter or X at Remax Allstar, or they can call me on myself, 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.